Good evening, and welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Tonight, we have on Wax Mechanics. How you doing, man? Hey, man. Thanks for having me again. You I know, know, people are going to start to talk. I hope they do. I hope they do. I hope they talk, and I hope they listen to your music, because I do. Well, let's, let's hope so. That's the whole reason I'm here, right? No, no. Yeah, I like to talk to you, too, and I'm, I'm a lonely old man, so I need people to well, talk to join, me. Join throw the pennies. club, dude. Join the club. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. So let's actually talk about that before we get sidetracked or forget, because we will. Your new release. Let's talk about the beginning of it. So it's a split. It's a split, which is, you know, for old dogs like us back in the 70s and the 80s and even the 90s, there was no such thing as a split. So, uh, yeah, it's a split with a label mate. So they brought two uh, tunes to the record and I brought three. And um, it's a really cool thing. So uh, the label mate is called Troll Teeth. They do sort of this cool stoner doom uh, uh, topical stuff, really interesting, heavy, and uh, really good guys are from Jersey. And uh, Electric Talons gave me the opportunity to do it. When you're sending songs over overseas, they, have to, they just want to hear 30 seconds of each song to decide first, you know, and it's gotta be a hit. You have to like write a hit song yep. in your 30 seconds, man. Yeah. That's a, those aren't the kind of records that we're making. Uh, you know, I gotta be honest with you that, you know, that even though I love pop music and no, I agree um, with you. I've heard your music. There's no hits in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mission accomplished. Right. Okay. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Now that, 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 you know, chasing that kind of thing never was my, my, my deal. And my version of success doesn't include, you know, competing with Taylor Swift or whoever is the flavor of the week, but uh, all that stuff is fine. Uh, so the, yeah, this this notion of this split came along because Electric Talon um, asked me what I wanted to do next, and I said, well, what would be cool to do? And uh, Stephen Burdick, who's the label head, said, uh, why don't you do a split? And I said, that'd be a great idea. And he said, well, who you want to do it with? And I said, well, who you got? And I had listened to Trolls Teeth's uh, last record, Goes Nowhere, Does Nothing, and I really liked it. And Stephen said, what about them? And I said, yes. So uh, it was this disparate style because I knew I was going to change myself up a little bit. And uh, so that's pretty interesting. So far, so good. That is good. See, now you, to really tie in, you guys have to like play together now. Well, eventually, uh, I have to be honest with you. I'm not doing any gigging until this thing is all sorted out. So I'll do busking. And we were chatting about that a bit. So uh, I'm keeping those muscles sort of tuned. And, uh, you know, keeping that edge by busking. The thing that interesting is, is your music. I do, I do joke about it. I do love it. It's, I mean, I've heard you do some nice, you know, guitar and you singing, which is nice. But it's, it's so layered. How are you going to be able to, how are you going to approach that live? Are you going to try to do a, a different version of it, a garage band version of it, your own stuff, <laughs> a rock version of it? You can try replicating it. Well, I'll, g- I'll give you the, I'll give you the smart ass answer and then I'll give you the, the real answer. So, the smart ass, the smart ass answer is I'm not going to try. <laughs> so the real answer is I see these and as already farty as it sounds, this is the way I've always approached it. I see them as two different animals. And some of the artists that I really like that, that do it kind of the same way. So I'm not inventing anything. Um, I really like artists like Neil Young and Bob Dylan, even though I'm a metalhead at heart. Those guys, if they play a song the same way twice, it's a rarity. And Dylan reinvents his stuff every night on stage. And some people just hate it, but some people love it. And when I would go to a show, 
sometimes I would be postured to say, I want it to sound like the record. If I go to see Def Leppard, I want it to sound like that. You know, if I go to see Slipknot, I want it to sound like the damn record. Um, but if I go to Dylan, I'm sitting there and I'm saying, show me what you got, change it up. And that's thrilling too. So I've I, always- I think right now Dylan is not re- changing it up. I think he's actually just relearning his songs every night. <laughs> yeah, you, you, maybe I, at this point, I don't know. I, I can't this point. He's about 80 years old, but that, that's right. just one example. And there are other artists that do that. And uh, I find that thrilling. And, you know, at this stage in my career, this is frankly, it's more about what I'm interested in than what everybody's expecting. And I'm not in any real position to leverage that in a big way, but uh, my thinking is, and this is the long, serious answer about, you know, I'm not going to try uh, is that, I find it really exciting. And the people that I'm going to be playing with find it exciting that we can reinvent them. I have to be honest with you. Uh, the songs that are sort of mellow that you've heard from me, we're going to retool those and they're just going to be heavy. So we're feeling we're in this heavy zone right now. And all these songs that were sort of done delicately um, aren't going to be done so delicately. And I like the way to re- they're kind of elastic and I really enjoy stretching them and pulling them. That's a lot of fun. We didn't get a chance to do that in nitro much because our mission statement was really well-defined. Drums, bass, guitar, crank it up to 11, go hard and heavy, sweat it out. And that's all we had to do. What I'm doing is a little more uh, uh, layered, I think. So I didn't, I, touch upon, I didn't want to touch upon your past with Nitro. You were a race car driver. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we, we had such a huge following. You know, with a little, little cult thing going on, which was a lot it's of It's well fun. documented. It's well documented. I... I uh... <laughs> It's no, it's, time. it's modest, and I know what it is. It, it's, it was a lot of fun, and uh, so that you know that's that's one aspect of it. Um, so uh, at this point, the, being in the studio, making records is one thing, and then uh, playing lives another. I see them as two separate entities. I don't know if anybody mm-hmm. else does or not, but they are two. I use I use two parts of my head when I'm doing it. Playing lives more like a sport. You know, I was I've been an athlete all my life. I, I can I can enjoy both sides though, yeah. but. Every now and then, like, I kind of want to, I'd like to, if I heard you live, your newest single, I'd like to hear that as a single. I'd like to see all the, all the percussion and the effects. Like, that song, yep. I don't feel like, I don't feel like that should be dissected. I feel like that is a piece that should be as it is. Okay. Taken under advisement. <laughs> We're, there's, something uh, about this. there's just so much percussion. Or add more drums to it. Like, do more percussion to it. Like, make it bigger than, even, than what it is. Like, add some more flavors. Like, like in that style. And, and get more creative with it. Don't tone it down or, or make it heavier. Don't don't just go heavy for heavy sake. Like take yeah, that direction. And, 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 like like ex, but but that, but that single like exploit the rhythms of that. Yeah. To me, well, that, that's, well, that just, was, that's the best that part of it. Point. Yeah. The po- the point of that re- of this these couple of records that I've done. Well, I call them records. These couple of songs I've done for this uh, split that we're calling Blunt. Uh, this tune that you're alluding to is tune called head and it's really tribal and it's really percussive so you know what i wanted to do is it was i was just kind of following them and feeling it was feeling like it wanted to be like that i didn't set out on a mission to put the guitars the heavy guitars down and you know change it just just sort of happened organically and that sounds like a cliche but that's really what happened so we're trying to figure out the best way to do it right now and uh, we're gearing up for it and yes i agree with you we're trying to find the best way to present it in a live situation where we still have that rhythmic tribal vibe going on but i still we're feeling like we need to add some heavy guitars and bass to it and uh, we'll see what happens this is exciting i mean at this point in my career i'm surprised that 
I'm still being inspired to do stuff like this. No, I, I think you're great. I think you're probably making the right decision by doing how you do it. I'm just my opinion. And no one listens to my opinion. Even in this house, nobody listens to my opinion. So <laughs> no, I listen to your opinion. <laughs> I'm just telling you how I hear there's something about that song. I think it's because you were originally a drummer. Yep. Yeah. That I mean, and a guitar player. But and and then you could use the example way up to like to take a Dave Grohl song as an example and how bouncy they are. And there's something yep. about when he writes those songs, there's they're very catchy. And da, 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 da. whether you like them or not, I'm not even getting to that point. I'm saying to anybody in the audience that it's more about um, not like a synchronicity, there's a certain a syncopated, it's, it's just something of the rhythm that he does. If you really pull back his songs, it's, it's very common. Yeah. And, and, and I said with a drummer of you, but, 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 but there's something about his drumming, how it plays into it. There's something about that, the way he yeah. plays. He's even said he, he strums like he's playing, uh, he's drumming. Yeah, when I, I when I, I write that song, that it was more of a, too. yeah. I I I'm not a virtuoso guitar player by any stretch, and I'm not a virtuoso. But all your drummer. songs have that feeling. Though. When I go back and I listen to after hearing that song and, and realizing that you are a drummer, because I forget, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I go back and then I listen to the other album. I'm like, oh yeah, I do hear it. This there's a lot of rhythmic, you know, undertones in it. Yeah, but fundamentally, you know, the kind of the style of music that 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 uh, that me and you know my peers are doing is it's a rhythmic thing it's rock it's rock and roll or whatever you want to call it so you know who are your, uh, who are your peers well <laughs> I, I, no, I don't I, even know who i can compare you against because you really i don't know like what that's what this, that's what's so brilliant about you is you have your own sound so well, i'd like to know who you think you sound like <laughs> i i really don't know I, at this point uh i you know there's so many there's so many influences in there that uh you know just in that one song there's so many influences uh, just uh, everything from Bo Diddley to Robert Johnson to ACDC to, you know, Kiss and Van Halen and geez, what else is in there? The Rolling Stones and Lou Reed. Um, Ed Sheehan. To, yeah. <laughs> well, I can say his name even. I don't even know how to say his name. The other day I heard a song from him. I'm like, I go, that's what he sounds like. That's who he is. <laughs> you know, um, I, I really am not. I'm just just trying to follow it. You know, as, as arty farty as it sounds, I'm following it more than I'm leading it. And I know that at my core, I'm this heavy rock kind of guy. And those songs will always come out like that. And when we were doing these few songs in the studio, and I was kind of chatting with you about it when I was doing it, uh, they were coming out to be always breaking the fourth wall. Everyone always has to break the fourth wall on the show. Come on. <laughs> breaking the fourth yes, wall. Yeah, yes, yes, we talked. Yes, we talked besides when the show's on. Great. I've got two friends in the world and you're one of them. Lucky you. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I don't know if I... I don't try to have any peers. I mean, I, I said that kind of casually, but people that are in the, uh, you know, the, 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 the strata that I am doing heavy rock and, and it's independent. I, I don't know. I mean, mobocracy was pretty predictable and obvious in a certain way. It was, it, it was sort of uh, echoes of nitro were in there and I liked that. And that's the way I was feeling. And the last song on that record was kind of leading into what I wanted to do next. So that last song on the record was that acoustic thing that was called Black. And um, I hadn't finished having that conversation with, you know, my audience, whoever that is. So I just decided to extend it. And it felt right to me. Those songs kept on, the songs on Blunt kept on popping up. So it's a continuation of the conversation I was having. That's what it feels like to me. So none of it was really that contrived. Um, It was fun to do. At this point, that's what I'm trying to do is to satisfy myself. Do I have any peers? I don't know. I'll be surprised um, if I do. I'll be surprised if I don't. I, I just, 
I'm baffled by the whole thing. It's all about the following the tunes and doing the music. That's why I'm here, right? You, I mean, this face isn't going to get me anywhere else, is it? So, it could. I'd probably get a book from you at the library. I'd ask you about the Dewey Decimal System <laughs> with your tie-on. I'm pretty good with pretty good with calculus, so I can write a good calculus. Well, yeah, that's I make the joke because you're a pretty smart guy. <laughs> you know, and we'll talk about the soul music thing for a minute, but I just want to talk about the Dewey Decimal System for a minute while we're talking about it. <laughs> See, the simple fact that you know what the Dewey Decimal System is, is it speaks volumes about your seasoned I, status. Um. When you did Nitro, so what was the timeline from that? Just I'm just trying to get some dates here. Like, so like, yep. Uh, I joined. Yeah, I joined Nitro in 1980. Uh, we made our first record in '81. We were signed in '82. Uh, we finished up our run in probably about '85. And although we hit the studio after '85, uh, you know, I, I graduated from college at that point, and uh, we didn't get the next big break, and we knew we weren't going to be Metallica. Life happens, you know how that happens. Right as right as metal was getting so commercial in eighty five, eighty six is when you quit. Well, <laughs> right it was because it was getting pretty glammy, and we weren't feeling that. You know, we weren't feeling the whole poison thing. And you know, even though I like those guys, um, I like that stuff. Uh, it just wasn't our gig. We were more, you know, uh, Motorhead, uh, Metallica, you know, Megadeth oh. sort of stuff. Although we had some, pop guess, you guys, you guys could have been carried on. I could see you guys sitting in the chair. All right, so that was around that time, and then. Mostly drum point. I'm sure you probably played some guitar. Yeah. What was okay. your evolution between that to get to where you are now? Well, what we did was uh, from the time I started with Nitro in 80 uh, and up until we sort of stopped, I, I was one of the primary songwriters. It was mostly me and the guitarist, John Hazel. So um, uh, a big part of the burden fell onto me, which I was digging it because I was always doing that in any case. And then whenever Nitro stopped, I went out and got a Clark Kent job and knew I wasn't going to be, you know, in Megadeth or in Metallica. So I still monkey around and played in some, you know, pickup bands and, and bar bands and stuff like that casually. But uh, I got the, uh, you know, the intolerable real job. So, and I was telling you earlier, I'm an engineer by education, so I can make a living at an education uh, at, with my education where I couldn't with my music uh, because we weren't going glam and Spoken like an educated man. <laughs> yeah. So in any case, uh, I continued writing. It was just something I was doing for fun. And um, I just kept writing and found this voice that I that I had that wasn't tethered to Nitro started to come out. My influences are pretty broad. You know, I'd mentioned the Dylan and the Neil Young stuff. And I'll listen to everything from classical music to punk. So I love the Ramones as much as I loved Mozart, you know, uh, and everything in between. Uh, Sex Pistols and, you know, rock of the 70s, classic rock, country music. So I found this voice uh, and I was just writing. I'd continue to write. That was my, that was, you know, instead of learning how to play golf, that's what I did. So uh, the songs just continued to stack up for no reason. I wasn't recording them. I wasn't playing them. And uh, then eventually, uh, let's see. Yeah, I did that for, boy, until the early 2000s. And uh, then started doing some busking. And that was fun. And uh, was playing these songs live, busking, which was really weird. So uh, that was trying to be brave and live without a net. And that busking thing, wow. uh, if you've done it before, was is is really invigorating and can be addicting. No, I'm as a well. coward. Oh, you can do it. It's I've only played out, when I sang, when I was in bands, I played. I was I didn't play guitar then. I, I just sang more more in oh. high school, college years. So I hung up well, my. You, uh, you've been in front of an audience. Do so you know what that invigorated? Very uh, very no, terrifying, terrifying to me. Uh, <laughs> 
Well, spoken like a true artist, right? Everybody's got a certain amount of stage fright. I think. Oh, the anxiety involved in that. Well, that, that, that stuff's fun. Um, I didn't have a big desire to, you know, to forge a career, but I, I was writing these songs and I was playing them live, uh, busking on the street. And uh, it was just fun. It was, uh, it was a hobby. And um, then I had some, I, I had friends that were still musicians and would invite me to sessions. So I'd be playing on sessions for, for their recordings and eventually decided to knock out a few of mine. And the long and the short of it is uh, probably about 08. Uh, I uh, made a, uh, made a solo record, which was called Tanguska Butterfly. And I um, uh, was trying to get it signed. And that was a really weird time. And then I gave up a little bit. And then I continued to write and uh, then recorded some more. And let's see, about 2019, uh, I got together with uh, Electric Talon Records. And they said, hey, you want to do a record? And I said, sure. And Mobocracy was uh, the, the result of that. You, yeah, you knew them, you submitted your stuff. How did that? Yeah, I, I knew of the Stone Eye, which is the band that Stephen Burdick is a member of. Stephen Burdick is the head of Electric Talon Records. So I had uh, sent him some of the stuff I was working on and said, hey, what do you think of this? You know, he was in Philly. I'm in Philly. So uh, it was more of a howdy do than anything else. And uh, he listened to it and said, hey, I got this label. And uh, would you like to make a record and release one? I said, are you serious? Sure. So that's where Mobocracy came from. And I had written probably about a dozen or so songs that were from that particular period uh, that were all sort of interrelated. And they sort of had the same kind of theme and um, picked six of them and put them on Mobocracy. And there's this long continuation of songwriting. And that's basically what I see myself doing is I've always been a songwriter and I will continue to do that. Even when people aren't listening, it's just one of those things that always happens. You know, we've always got them in the pipeline. Uh, there's always one behind the other. So uh, that's, that's probably where I'm going to end up is to just continue to write songs, whether or not I'm releasing records is another story. But this is still something cool about that. Like you're writing songs. If you, you people see, Oh, he's writing songs or you're playing over there. They see you doing it. Like if yeah. I have anybody watching me, I kind of showed I'm, I'm just the only guy talking to himself in a chair. So <laughs> like, it's so cool if you just do it. No, listening. <laughs> Whereas me, I get put in a home. Well, it's, it's one, uh, you know, there, a lot of it is, um, I was writing them because I couldn't not write them. I know that's hard to, if you've written songs before, you know how they just kind of, they're like dogs. They, they, they just. I used to write a lot of lyrics and stuff like that for songs. And recently as we're talking, I actually, a few times I've actually been able to pick up my guitar a little bit now. I'm actually starting to create my own sounds for the first time ever on guitar. I've done it on keyboard and I've done it and never. Yeah. But the point is I get that. I get what you're saying. Um, but, but let's it's, take a minute, though. Yeah. What was the name of your solo album again? Let's talk about that for a minute. I think you kind of tried setting that by me. <laughs> the first one that I okay. So, yeah. What was that? Uh, well, uh, let me let me back up. Here, here, here's the thing. I almost feel like now that as an adult, also I'm an adult or I'm in my teens, and then I sit down and I'm like I find out. Wait, Dad, you were married before, Mom? Like I, I just feel like <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. It's like I've been sideswiped. <laughs> well, tell me about your first marriage. <laughs> the album that, that that particular bit of information will remain for the uh, <laughs> Smithsonian to dig up so uh as far as the, the solo record goes I was just yeah. uh I was, I was recording around uh, Philadelphia with a bunch of friends and then I ended up with a collection of songs and this was probably 2008 2009 so uh it was mostly me just hanging out with friends and you know cutting cutting some tracks just to instead of going out and playing golf or collecting stamps that's what I did 
And uh, so I had a, a dozen of them or so. And um, uh, I had a friend who's my sort of music lawyer, right? And I was playing them for him. He goes, oh, you should try to release this. And the internet started to pick up speed. And, you know, I said, well, let, let me give this a shot. And uh, I didn't go seeking to get it released anywhere. So I just uh, released it myself and uh, sold more than I thought I would and uh, got a few reviews on it. You can Google it. The album is called Tanguska Butterfly. And, what the hell does uh, that mean? What does that mean? No. Nah. <laughs> I've got to open up the whole kimono. Tanguska Butterfly. It was the name of a pattern of... Uh, Literally, you named it, You named your album that. Like, how's somebody going to ask you what it means? <laughs> like, if you didn't want to know what you know what that meant, you wouldn't you name something. You'd keep it a secret. And, and that's why it did so well. <laughs> because it was so... What the hell is it about? It's because, well, you know, you're in Philly and you see you're hanging out with some friends as a, as a boys to men. So many unanswered <laughs> questions here. I mean... But, well, but the title, all, I don't understand it. It's, it's, it's a cool title, but please tell me yeah, what it means. Uh, well, uh, it, uh, if, if you Google Tanguska Butterfly, it, it was a little fascination I had with the, in the early 1900s, there was a, uh, an asteroid strike in uh, uh, Siberia and it blew a bunch of trees down into this butterfly pattern. And this part of uh, Russia was called Tanguska. So it was an explosion of a meteor in Siberia near a town called Tanguska. And it knocked all the trees down in a butterfly pattern. I thought that was that was brutal and beautiful all at the same time. And that's what the music kind of sounded like to me. So I was making music that was blending all kinds of styles. It was blending rock. It was blending heavy, heavy rock. It was blending folk. It was some urban elements into it. And it was brutal. The lyrics were brutal. And it had this almost pop sheen to it. So uh, that's the arty farty description of why I called it Tanguska Butterfly. So can people still hear this way. album? Can, can, can we uh, still hear yeah, this album? You, you can go find it. Yeah, good luck. Um, is it? Is, That's inviting. You know, <laughs> yeah, you can hear it. Go find it. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I'm not actively selling it. Um, so the the long and the short of it is that uh, that's when uh, I decided that I was you know when I was busking and people were asking who I was, uh, I started to tell them my real name, which is Tim Wilson, which you can see there and on the back of the Nitro Records, and. Uh, Somebody came like up to me name. one day and I was kind Doesn't of right to me. <laughs> See, would you rather have. I've been calling you wax for so long now. Tim Wilson actually sounds like. He's like Tim Wilson. Isn't it Wilson. Tim Wilson, like a character on a TV show. Like, it doesn't feel like it's your name anymore. <laughs> no, I've never heard that before. Right. Right. Hey, Wilson. I know. Hey, Mr. Wilson. Wilson. Got that. So it was fun. And um, I wanted to, you know, uh, do something that was a little bit different that sort of uh, illustrated the type of musical trip I was on and the musical trip I was on was three-dimensional and almost uh, a little bit psychedelic and a little bit weird yeah, it's and interesting that between the nitrous either you had there's a little more of a, a, a pulling piece I didn't know that the missing piece there yeah. you know I'm curious I'd actually like to hear that um yeah it was a lot of fun and I'll get it to you for sure I mean I'm not trying to trying to be evasive sell, about it no yeah. why, why aren't you why are you selling it online to people oh because I was working on you know, mobocracy and working on blunt. Um, it's moving it's on, just, you know, I'm always just, about the horizon. I'm not about what's in the rear view mirror. So it's just the way I operate. Uh, it's, uh, it's ACDC just released an album. You can still buy back, black, back and black. Yeah. I, I, and I listen to them all the time. I'm just saying, you, oh, don't, you don't throw away the baby with the bathwater. You could have that one up too. I, I've, you know, if, if we put up every tune that I've written, then there would be such a backlog, you know? So, uh, but at, at this point, yeah, it's available. I'll make sure you get it. I'm not trying to hide it. It was a pretty good record. It's really interesting. I really like it. And it is a snapshot of 
of my start uh, as this whole trip of wax mechanics. So I remember specifically playing those songs on the street, busking them. And somebody asked me who I was and I was about to tell them my real, real name. And I said, you know what? This doesn't really feel like that. It feels like it needs to be something a little more adventurous. So that's literally off the top of my fucking head. I came up with the name. What was the reaction to somebody playing a guitar with that name? A stranger, they're afraid you're going to just was, stab, and stab them the and then keep that's playing. The that's yeah, a that was, crazy name. They're there. And everybody had a, has a street name, you know, so uh, I thought it would be fun. And it helped to free me up creatively to write different songs, too. So when I got into that headspace, it was really it was performance art and it was really liberating and it really resonated with me. And I decided that I was going to work with that for a while. So when I would go out busking, that's what I would I would tell people who I was. And that was really who I was at that point. So I was kind of reinventing myself the same way that Elton John or Freddie Mercury or Elvis or Eminem or Jay-Z or any of those guys, Ringo Starr, you know, uh, Lil Wayne. Uh, I, I doubt if that's on his birth certificate. You know what I mean? So people can be you who can, they you want. Can like better than him, though. <laughs> well, we don't need to have a conversation. <laughs> so that was fun. Um, and I found I was just blending all kinds of styles and it didn't really fit into any particular category. So it felt right. It was a good pair of shoes that fit me well and they felt nice the very first minute I put it on and I said it. So when I first said it, all there's all my, my head almost resonated when I said it to these three people that were standing in front of me down on 7th Street. Uh, in Philadelphia as I'm over there with my guitar case playing these songs from Tanguska Butterfly, which nobody heard, nobody cared about. But then this little crowd shows up and the people start throwing money into my guitar case. So I figured I'm on to something here. So I wasn't doing it for the money. I was doing it just to be live without a net and to be on that edge and to reconnect with that live performance that I was, 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 was feeling that I needed. So that's a way to do it. Boy, that's like being naked in front of a hundred people doing that. If you've not busked you need to do it if you're a performer at all. And you find out what sucks and what doesn't real quick. So, and people are not. I know, it's, I know what sucks in my playing. It's, it's everything. And I, <laughs> I, I busk in my bed. I'm playing my room by myself. See, you have to get past that. You just, it's like jumping in the water, man. You just got to get in. You know, it's going to be cold. You know, it's going to be a little uncomfortable. It's not, about, it's not about getting past the comfort if I thought it was okay. Like, I trust me. I know if I was very play for other people. I really wanted to test the songs. That was really it. I wanted to test myself. I'm sure you were fine. I'm saying, but it's not for, for everybody. Not everybody's ready to just learn on the fly like that. Trust me. Uh, you know, in this in this age of uh, you know everybody's got all kinds of technology at their fingertips, and nobody's. It, it all seems like there's this big curtain, and there's nothing behind the curtain. So uh, maybe it's old school. I don't know. Maybe it's a get off my lawn moment, but I wanted to test myself and to really just strip all that stuff away and to go see if the, if the songs were any good. And I found out that most of them were, which surprised the shit out of me. So uh, and that gave me the bravery to sort of go on. So that first record that I that I was alluding to, Tangoska Butterfly, was um, a pretty good record. Uh, it gave me the, the freedom to begin to experiment and to find my voice even more. And that's what uh, I spent the next few years doing the same sort of thing, just writing and thinking about whether I wanted to do another record and if I wanted to get involved in all that machinery again. And uh, but I really enjoyed the busking part. I kept writing songs and kept busking. And uh, eventually uh, I found this voice that you are hearing now. So I, I feel like I've arrived at a voice and that's what's benefited from. That's why I've benefited from doing those few records.
when you get to play out, who do you, are you going to try to do your own thing? Are you going to try latching on to some, some, some people when they come by? I'm sure you're not going to tour because you actually have a, your, your Clark Kent job. So you really can't afford to yeah. take some time well, off your tour. You could do spot, you could spot tour, you know, a little well, here and there. And that's probably what we'll be doing is, um, is that now, you know, post pandemic is, is going to be weird. And first of all, it has to be safe. So we're not going to do anything until we're safe. And there can be all kinds of political and, and philosophical debates about that. But since this is, you know, my decision, I'm going to wait until um, uh, until we all feel safe, meaning the audience feels safe and there aren't these fits and starts. And we're not hearing any more of these things where, oh, well, this guy died because he got infected with COVID and he was out on the tour with Kiss. You know, I just heard about that, which was nuts. Paul Stanley's guitar tech dies of COVID. I don't know the details of that, but that just doesn't sound good. And that doesn't sound safe. And I know they're out there. And then you hear these things. Well, you know, this guy got COVID, so they got to shut the door down. I don't even want to get involved in any of that. That's just not my gig. So what we're going to do is it's going to be a basic rock setup. And then the guys that I'm playing with, we're all going to be uh, in agreement that it's going to be safe, that the audience is going to be safe, and then we're going to be able to have a good time. And uh, I'm not going to have to worry about it and sleep in my basement for three days after a gig and test myself every 20 minutes. And that's really what would have to happen. You know, we've got people in our orbit everybody does, you know, that are vulnerable and I'm not going to be responsible for that. And I'd said this earlier, if I'm going to die for something, this ain't it. I'll die for love. I'll die for family. I may even I die for something. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to go with that one. <laughs> so, but I'm not dying for this stupid thing. Now, am I overreacting? Eh, I don't care. You know, let the flat earthers come at me. I don't care. Anti-vaxxers come at me. I don't care. At this point, it's my decision and I'm just going to do it when it's safe and when it's fun. And this is all that it's about. It's about us having a good time collectively. And it'll be glorious and it'll be joyous whenever we do it right. That's going to be 2022 at some point. And I'm gearing up for it. And uh, you're going to know when it's going to happen because you'll get the invite to come. I'll be there. I'm not that far away from you. I, you know, it's not even about the, the non-vaccine thing. I don't like getting a cold. As I said in the yeah. show, anybody's heard me. So I don't, I'm okay with people not being around me to begin with. You know, and yeah. my, my old joke is, it's like, all right, guys, it's my kids, you know, it's September. Give that a hug because it's a cold and flu season coming up. I'm not going to hug you guys until spring. You know, I'm not getting, <laughs> I'm not getting sick. You little Petri dishes. Um, well, I understand that, you know, this collective thing that we have going in concerts is, is everybody's hankering for it. Boy, am I ever. I really am I'm, I'm dying to do it. And I know everybody is. And we're going to slowly slide into it. But boy, oh, boy, I just don't want to be you know, one of those statistics, it's like, well, uh, you know, somebody I care about ends up dying because of it or gets really sick. I just don't want to be part of that. I always think it would be kind of cool for you to do would be like, um, like when Piercy did this show, he did a show a while back in mm -hmm. a club, just nobody there, but he treated it like it was a live show. It was kind of fun. We've actually, we're, to, we're talking about doing that. Um, we're kicking that idea around, uh, which is, and, and some people have done it and, you know, it turned out to be pretty good. So uh, right now we're working people, on it's, it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. But I think I almost like the band being on a stage again feeds yeah. off it. So it changes it a little bit. You know what I mean? And it's, yeah. and it's a good walkthrough rehearsal or it's just something. Well, it has to be, uh, I think just for, you know, my own little slice of the world, we've talked about doing it uh, sort of in a rehearsal setup and that's kind of casual, but usually don't get the best performances. Everybody has to be sort of on their toes and in a stage situation, in a club situation, like you're alluding to. So that's what's taking shape now. Um, and hopefully, no, we'll be doing something. Either we'll be out 
to live gigging or streaming something uh, relatively soon. Cool. So any plans for your new, they got two, two songs out. Are you going to go in and do like an album and then. Well, yeah. The uh, yeah. The, the horizon is pretty simple. Um, you know, it's, it's right. Record gig, rinse and repeat. So we've taken that gig thing away. So now it's right, record, rinse and repeat. So um, I'm actually uh, working on two things in parallel. One is, interestingly enough, I was enjoying the split situation so much that uh, I'm going to be doing another one for 2022 uh, with a, uh, an American band in my neck of the woods called Almost Honest. And I'm not going to tell you exactly what it is because I want it to be a surprise. <laughs> because I surprises. So uh, it'll be just how... Um, it'll be a split. And uh, right now I'm going to, I'm working on three tunes for that. In parallel, I'm also working on a full solo album. That's, you know, a full blown one. And um, another interesting thing that the record company- Are the songs going to be on there for that? Are those some of those other songs going to be on the full album? Uh, or, or a no, fresh batch? New songs. No, all these releases, they're going to be new songs. It's not going to be a rehash of stuff. So Mobocracy had six tunes on it. Blunt has three tunes on it. This next split will have three fr farm fresh tunes on it. And then the solo full album that I'm working on by myself, it's probably got about a dozen songs. And uh, so they're all new. I don't have a, there's, there's no problem with songs. I got more than enough songs. If I didn't write another one, I'd have four or five albums in me, I think. So, but it's, it's fun. And that's what I'm doing. I just learned uh, today that the electric Talon's going to be, we were talking about physical product at one point. Um, Mobocracy is going to be released as a deluxe edition that has some extra stuff on it. And that'll be fun. And we're going to be doing a physical release of that sometime in 2022 as well. So like vinyl, like that'd be cool on vinyl. Well, at this point they haven't committed to vinyl, but there's going to be probably CDs at least um, because, you know, people are asking for physical product vinyl. The, now you probably know this from some of your other guests is that vinyl there is such a backlog. Talk about a oh, supply God. chain issue. You, you don't cannot get it for like 10 years. Records. You're, literally, you, you're not, if you order today a vinyl, um, it's hard to get a delivery unless you're, you know, Sony or somebody like that. Uh, if you're an independent uh, label, you're not going to get delivery of that vinyl until like 2023. And that's just crazy. You know, that doesn't make sense at that point. So will that change? I, I don't know. I don't really bother myself with it. So I record the songs, I deliver them, I write them, record them, deliver them and say, you guys do what you want. So the money's not there as much for people anyhow, though. I mean, it's more like for people like me who could care less about a CD because if I didn't have it digitally on my phone, that's one less thing I'm going to carry. And I'm going to actually have something physical. I'm going to yep. put on my record player. I'm going to look at the sleeve and, you know. Yeah. Well, what I do is I try to have, you know, I'm, I'm old school, just like, you know, some of uh, some of your listeners and, and your viewers and, and you are is uh, that's an experience that, you know, my son and maybe your children don't really appreciate as much. I want to actually have the album art in my hands. I, I want to have that experience of listening to it on vinyl. That's my own hang up. So uh, would I like that to happen? Yeah. But boy, to get that, you know, an independent label like Electric Talent to order up some vinyl for or mobocracy we wouldn't see it until 2024 <laughs> you know what i mean so uh we're going to do a deluxe edition which we'd always intended on doing and um because the pandemic just screwed things up you know the whole economic model of releasing records and gigging and all that stuff we decided we were going to do it in late 2021 or early 2022 so uh talon just told me that we're going to have a deluxe edition out at least on cd in uh, 2022 
And I just learned to that. So as soon as it happens, you'll get it. Thank you. Thank you. We'll, we'll have you back on and talk about it. Is there anything else you want to go over? You want to circle back and say how old I am again one more time before <laughs> we get off the show or anything and focus on anything else negative about me? My I'm damn bone. proud of making it my, this far. My, 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 my weak bones or something. Yeah, something you, know, you want to make fun of me? Push my um, my, my, note, my notebook out of my hands and my... my um, well, there, there will be a quiz, so you, you need to sharp, make sure your brain is sharp, and uh, which it always is. Now, we're all holding up pretty good here. Um, okay. You know, I really like this uh, normalization of what the current independent or, yeah, music scene is like. It doesn't matter uh, if you're on a big label or on a small label or if you're, you know, 17 or if you're 58, you you it's all about what's coming out of the, the earbuds and the speakers these days. And I really like that. I'm reinvigorated by it where other people are like groaning and moaning about how the music business has died. I think it's, it's a free for all. Now you've, I've got as good a chance as anybody else, as long as my craft is good. Am I writing good songs and am I delivering them authentically? And is my audience engaged? That's all that I'm concerned about. So all this other stuff goes away. It's pretty simple. I show up with an, with an acoustic guitar and a sheet of paper and I start from there and then I go in and record them as best I can. And that's all I have control over. And uh, I'm hoping that people will respond to it. And interestingly enough, I'm shocked as shit that people have because I thought that, you know, that there are all these other things in play. Uh, and maybe your other guests have said that as well. Uh, that nope, it's the only one. Everyone else has <laughs> confidence. All the other artists have confidence in themselves, but it's okay, Debbie Downer. <laughs> no, no, I've got all kinds of confidence in myself. I, my ego is bigger than anybody's in the room. <laughs> Getting with you. No, it's a struggle, <laughs> and it's it's different. And and I, and I think a lot of the artists actually have broken free from the banks. I mean, record companies. Yeah. That, um, shackled really them. Yeah. So, but I think. The new model has actually been good for a lot of bands that had bigger labels that got shafted or put in the shelf. All, all of them have horror stories, and uh, and most of them are making more money now. All, I've heard it many times than they were back in the day by just yep. doing their own releases and playing club dates. Yep, they're making more well, money. This has never been an economic uh, uh, decision for me. This is this is really a great place to be, frankly. And you know, to, now I'm going to show you Mr. Sweetness and Light. This has been nothing but positive for me. I am not beholden to anybody. I mean, I have to deliver a product to the record company, but I can do what I want. And uh, they're not, nobody's in my ear telling me what to do and how to do it. I am not uh, uh, living and dying with, off of uh, you know streaming dollars. Now, I feel for those peers that I have that are, that's a hard row to hoe. So I'm in a great place. I'm making the records that I want to make the way I want to make them. And I'm surprised that people are responding to it the way they are. Uh, and I'm just trying to make good records and see what happens. That's really it. So far, so good. Well, that's a perfect note to end it on. This has been great, man. I want to thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Make sure that you keep you, you and yours safe and um, let me know uh, if you have any suggestions for how I can be more sweetness and light. Perfect.